Hi, I'm Bastian Schweinziger, and this is BR Football Ranks. What's happening, Rank Squad? Welcome home. It's your BR Football Ranks. It's your perfectly punctual podcast pill, praising the poise of players from Prague to Plymouth, fixing frustratedly on fellas failing to fulfil their vast faults of future flair and putting the football world back in the right order. My name is Jack Collins, back at the wheel after a week away. And firstly, please, can I congratulate Mr. Dean Jones for a seamless transition last week, holding down the ship with ease, my friend. But back in his punditry seat today. Did you enjoy your trip across the studio to the driving seat? I did, mate. Yeah, it was good for a week. I wouldn't want to do it every week because I don't want to show you up. But um... <laughs> Dean was complaining that it's more work. It's more work. You have to concentrate more in, yeah. in, your, in your chair. So I did enjoy it for a week, mate. Um, the poem was took a little bit longer than I expected it to um, in terms of writing it. <laughs> but, you know... Newfound respect for you? Nah. <laughs> All right. Well, shouts out to you. Anyway, thanks, mate. Appreciate no. it. Shouts out, shouts out as well to the princess of the pod, Joe Kamenu, and to producer Sammy James for their efforts as well last week. Mm-hmm. Big team effort. But next to him, talking say, of teams, hi, also talking here. of teams, Still here. the rank god, a man under serious Twitter fire today as his Ballon d'Or rankings were released last night, but who picks up his sword to fight the good fight again today. The irrepressible, the irreverent, the inimitable... Sam Ty. Yeah, so I haven't been on social media for uh, 15 hours. You shouldn't be. Don't go back. No, I'm not going to go. I'm going to give it 24 hours. Do you know what, actually? I felt really refreshed and happy when I woke up this morning, and it's because I haven't seen what is probably a series of death threats in my mentions. Who cares, So many death threats. Tell them one thing. How come I ain't dead yet? How come you ain't dead yet? (laughs) How the hell did we get that on the podcast? (laughs) Well done. We're in. We're in. Right, lots to get through today, and we'll be joined by another special guest for our main ranking. So let's get into hot takes. DJ, what you got for me this week? Well, Jack, it looks like the La Liga match between Villarreal and Atletico Madrid in December is going to be played in Miami. I love it. I'm (laughs) so excited about this. You're the only one. Well, well apparently the people so. in Miami, I yeah, imagine, yeah, yeah. quite good. I thought there would be a few more people that would feel excited about this. So um, I there tweeted a picture of me and Sam. We went to a La Liga event last week as well. and um, Holding the trophy. I was holding the trophy. I was like, can't wait for it to go to Miami. My response is, uh, this is everything wrong with modern football. Utterly embarrassing for Spanish football. Why are you so excited? Don't you care about fans? Look, I'll tell you why I'm excited. <laughs> this adds a totally new, new dimension to not only the fixture, but to La Liga. Let's be honest. Would I be making sure I watched Villarreal, the Atletico Madrid, in December, or probably like a random time on a Sunday? No. I might watch it, but not definitely. Am I now going to watch this fixture? 100% yes. Are more people going to watch this fixture? 100% yes. I think that... Fans are going to discover that, yes, there are downsides to playing this away from, from Spain, but in the long term, there are so many more positives to come from it. And look, I'm sorry, everyone, this is going to happen more and more. Um, not only are La Liga going to play only one game going forward a season, I think they end up playing two or three games in America every season. And on the back of that, you're going to see Serie A being played over there. You're going to see eventually the Premier League being played there. And I believe one day you'll see a Champions League final being played in America as well. 
Look, La Liga fair, has to, to play catch-up. They've got wrong. to catch up with the Premier League and yeah. they're the first team to take the initiative and go over there. If this gets to go through, if this does happen, they're latching onto an audience that is desperate to feel part of European football. There's people there that absolutely love it and obviously like, the Premier League has this advantage being English-speaking and stuff and I think that they have a chance... Um, with Spanish-speaking people in America. There's so many of them out there that understand the culture, understand the game and want to feel part of it. This is the chance for clubs like Villarreal, like Atletico Madrid, to go and grow the brand. I know people don't like that word, but it's reality. It yeah, is. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit with the person who's like, do not care about the fans. Like, Villarreal fans will get chances, three chances a season to see the big three clubs in Spain come in. And that's no disrespect to Villarreal. But they come to, you know, they Barcelona to Villarreal, comes to not come Madrid. Yeah, but Barcelona comes down, Real Madrid comes down, Atletico comes down. They're the big games you want to win. They're the, they're the scalps that you want to see as a fan. When, when, you know, when Fulham played against the big teams in the Premier League, they're the I ones you go. want to win. A lot of time I didn't go. You want to win the games against Manchester United. You want to win the games against Man City. It's a special against day Liverpool. when you do. It's special to beat the... If you take that away from Norwich fans beating Man City this season, in a season where they might be relegated, that's a massive highlight. I don't agree. And, and I think that taking that away from Villarreal fans is harsh. Listen, I think they've seen that picture a million times. They live and breathe their club, so it yeah. it's different. I, okay. I, I understand the fan concern, and I, I immediately went, oh, I'm not sure about that. But Dean's idea of this long-term pla- uh, praise and, and long-term success, is it is a good one. And you and I were at Real Madrid, Atletico yes. Madrid, in New Jersey over the summer. We had a lovely and, time. And we, we did have a lovely time. We saw, we saw the appetite for both Madrid clubs. And I think I would be surprised if Atletico didn't look at that and think, right, let's push for a game. No, I, I think, think they're right. trying to ride a wave and a, 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 trying to crest a wave here and they're trying to catch up and, and, as Dean said, build their brand. And like, yeah, you, you might hate the phrase, but it's pretty important now. Yeah, of course. And I think it should be a response. So in Villarreal Stadium that week, there should be an El Trafico. As a, as a response, it, there should be a swap, you know. Game swaps, <laughs> exactly. Like Listen, I'm, I'm all for MLS games being played in Europe. I'm, I'm straight on the back of that. Seattle Sounders versus Kansas City in Villarreal Stadium. That's fine. It won't happen in December because they've got a season going on. December, but... but you've got to realise, like, relevant sports who are in charge of this whole thing, they do care about the fans. They are giving them a chance. So, like, Villarreal fans have the chance. They are going to be compensated for the fact there's not going to be a game there. The three options they get are 40% off your season ticket for next year. That's, that's, that's quite, a that's lot a good, of money. Yeah, that's good value. Or you get travel and a ticket to the Atleti game, which is later in the season. There's like 3,000 seats available for that. They'll do in that. Or you get a ticket to this game in Miami for free. You've got to sweat your own travel, I think. <laughs> but Jack, I tell you now, if Fulham played Man City... So we're back in the Premier League. We play in Man City and they're like, the game's being played in New York. They're your three options. I don't believe that you wouldn't be going to New York to watch Fulham in that game. No, like, of course I would like to do that, but it's about like financial constraints. But I don't know if you I'd have, have any ability. financial constraints. Well, I don't know if I would have the ability <laughs> or the money to do that. And I think that it's important to remember that as fans, people go to see their local club a lot because it's their local club, it's community. Fans, you know, clubs are more than just enterprises. They are pillars of local communities. And for a lot of these teams, you know, a lot of people wait all week to go and see their team on a Saturday every single week. But these people that are arguing with me don't support Villarreal on Twitter. Why do they care? They're going to see a better game, I think. Because they're putting themselves in those fans' shoes and thinking, nah. (laughs) Right, let's shift this one on. Sam, what have you got for me? Uh, I have put your... Right, let's change gear a little bit. Let's talk about football and players. Um, I think we are reaching the point now where Jordan Henderson 
does not belong in Liverpool's strongest eleven. Okay. Uh, this is a bit of an awkward one because he's captain of the football club um, and he lifted the Champions League trophy as recently as June. But watching what happened at Old Trafford at the weekend and try not to make too many judgments based on one rare bad performance from Liverpool because it wasn't good, but they're not usually like that. But you watch the cameo that Naby Keita made and then you consider the uh, the faith that Klopp has in him and the, and the talent that Naby Keita has, if not for injury. And you look at the importance of Fabinho and Wijnaldum and you start to see what Jurgen Klopp was seeing last summer with a potential Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Keita midfield. Obviously, he has his front three and his back four. And Henderson is, is the odd one out. And it's getting really hard to escape that now with Keita coming back to fitness and Oxlade-Chamberlain coming back to fitness. It's, it's, it's inescapable that Henderson is starting to look the odd one out. And you saw his role shifted at the weekend. They moved to 4-2-3-1 and they put Henderson on the right wing. Yeah, that didn't work. Pa- pa- partly because of the three midfielders, he was the most applicable for it, but also because he was also the least important of the midfield three in terms of how they play. And then he got subbed off. The, the captain was subbed off for Adam Alana who then went and scored. Now, I'm not saying Alana's taken his spot, but with the competition for places at Liverpool at the moment and the calibre of player we're talking about, particularly with Naby Keita, when it starts to go right for him, boy, is it going to go well. Henderson is is in trouble. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, your original point, I think, is completely fair enough that with Keita fully fit and firing, he probably takes Henderson's spot in that midfield three. The only caveat I would give to sort of Henderson's continued involvement is that Liverpool's midfield three aren't really seen as a creative hub. Uh, and the kind of main example I have of it is that how far Genie Wijnaldum plays forward for the Netherlands mm. compared to his role for Liverpool. And if Liverpool needed to go, you know, 4-2-3-1 in, in some regards, you'd imagine that the natural 10 would be Genie Wijnaldum because that's where he plays for Holland. Mm. Um, but, you know, he doesn't. He sits further back, he collects from deep. Because, and, and the kind of core of that midfield is just that they are an engine room they shift the ball back and forth between you know two unbelievably good fullbacks you know two unreal center backs and an incredible front three and what they do is they almost just shuttle yeah I, uh, and, I and so that, to but... do that you know henderson does have that engine he does have that ability and that kind of leadership that we saw in in those games in the champions league and those crucial games that he was actually a key kind of cog in making sure that that happened and and for that reason i don't think he's yet that dispensable to Liverpool? So there's the, there's the intangible elements that he brings, which are the leadership qualities and the mentality setting. And I cannot, I cannot deny that that is, that is the case and, and that factors in. You were also right about the fact that the midfield three is more of an engine room and it does recycle. But it was like that all of last season. And it cannot be like that forever because no, you're te- right. teams have to evolve and teams have to develop wrinkles in their strategy else they see what happens against Manchester United, which was United, to be fair to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, we give him a pretty Love tough time pick, on this podcast, yeah. but whether or not he intended to do it on Sunday, he took away the fullbacks, yeah. more or less. He got like, it right, yeah, Rob- Robertson, in the end, managed to sneak across in, but Trent Alexander-Arnold was completely nullified. And that is Liverpool's game plan. Create space for the fullbacks to push forward and start crossing and start, en- uh, start entering play. And if you start to take that away, that then brings the creative pressure back onto the midfield three. So then there has to be a response. Yes. So if teams wise up to what Liverpool did so successfully all of last season, which you know, eventually they will, and maybe we saw the start of it on Sunday. Well, we saw the start of it with Sheffield United. Precisely. Precisely. They really struggled in that game. And we're start, yeah, we are starting to see it. So now there has to be a response. And I think the natural response is 
cater for Henderson, and Henderson is a, should be a bit worried. Yeah, OK, fair enough. So. Fair enough. Right, let's flip it on one more time. The poll returned in style for the third hot take, and we asked you to pick an undersung midfield hero in Serie A, and ahead of Inter's young gem Nicolo Barella and Fiorentina's Chilean dynamo Eric Pulgar, you chose another man nicknamed the Little Prince. No, not me. Juventus' <laughs> Miralem Pjanic. Shut so, up, Jack. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the greatest players of all time, and I appreciate, therefore, he needs a appreciation from the fans and, and from, from, this, from the wider press as a whole. Mm-hmm. But right now, Pjanic is by far Juventus's best player. Three goals, two assists this season, which means he has as many goal involvements as Cristiano in Serie A from you know, the pace of midfield, as yeah. you know, Cristiano does from up front or on the left wing. Um, but more than that, he's the fulcrum of everything good about Juventus. He's their conductor, their midfield hub. He controls the tempo. He's their talisman. And interestingly, something that's kind of stood out for me is how much his game has upped in terms of creative output since Rabiot and Ramsey joined the club in the summer. I know those players haven't featured that much, but he seems to have seen that and gone, OK, under a little bit of pressure, step up, step up, step up, but step up. Is, the, is it the correlation that it's Ramsey and Rabiot or is it Sarri? Well, I, 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 might, I mean, this is what I'm about to ask you. Yeah. you know, where do you feel? Because he's suddenly become, you know, unbelievable. He's always been brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But he has raised that game another level to the point where now you look at Juventus and you go, Pjanic. And that's something that stands out for me. I do, well, yeah, I do think he was probably better than he was given credit for last season yeah, as well, which is, which is the exact reason we have him in this unsung hero part. Um, and I think that, I think it's more to do with the manager and the style of play. I think with Allegri... Allegri was very basic with his tactics and he was quite attritional with the way he decided to, to, to create chances. Lots of crosses to Mandzukic and Ronaldo, which is fair, right? But obviously Pjanic is not going to be in those positions to create, create those crossing chances yeah. and make those crosses. I think Pjanic did largely fine, if not well, in a team that really just didn't suit him. Like, just didn't. Like, he doesn't have the legs and the work rate to go up and down. And that's not a slight, that's just who he is. Yeah. And he's not a wide man who crossed the ball. So now, in the middle of this possession-heavy system, he's really starting to feel himself. And the production is upped, and he just looks as good as ever. But with, but you notice it more, I think, probably because... Well, he scored at the weekend, didn't he? He looks a bit surprised, but he does have three goals in the league this season. Well, like he's, he's, and they're all worldies. He should probably, <laughs> yeah, and look, he scores he should probably look less surprised when he scores nowadays. I think you? that's one of the things that has emerged under Sarri, is he, he is playing more vertically, if you like. He, he does get up and down more, and you, he'll be picking up the ball, of course, uh, further back. But he's also arriving further up the field, and I think that that is something he's got into the game more this season. I think that you're getting more consistency out of him as well. And I think um, Bologna, basically from the first kick at the weekend, were man-marking him. Like they, they did not want him getting control of the game. And within two minutes, I noticed that he, it, his market was literally nowhere near him. Like, <laughs> couldn't keep up <laughs> with his movement. And uh, it was literally the first time Pjanic got the ball. Um, the Bologna guy that was man-marking him was literally 10 yards away. <laughs> and he like, started a move that went down the left side. And I was like... You can't do it. Yeah, like yeah, you're not going to yeah. keep grips on this man for 90 minutes. No chance. Um, so I'm actually really impressed. I think it's one of the things that Sarri's done really well early on. I think that he is actually, um, as we spoke about on an earlier podcast, turning this Juventus team into a side that can go on and challenge to win the Champions League as well as uh, carry on winning Serie A. And I think that Pjanic, absolutely no doubt, has been their star man so far this season. Absolutely. I, I think interestingly a lot of people saw when Ramsey went in that he was going to be the kind of creative, you know, or spark in, mid- in midfield that would provide goals, that would arrive late into the box and, and would provide that kind of attacking threat. And Pjanic has just 
you know, stepped up, gone onto the you know the side of that midfield that he has, and been like, nope, <laughs> that's my role. Yep. Thank you very much. Uh, and you're not having it off me at this current time. Well, so yeah. I mean, this, this is an education for Ram- uh, Ramsey, well, isn't it? Because he's playing with significantly better players. Yeah, he's he's, co- he's he's competing for a spot in the eleven in a way he just hasn't done for the last five years. Yeah, he's not. He's no longer an automatic starter no. when he's fit, which is, to be fair, rare. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that often. <laughs> so I suppose that helps. That as well. does help. Yeah, yeah, Why is Pjanic better than Rabiot and Ramsey? He's mostly fit. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> available on match days. He definitely plays. Yeah. <laughs> Let's close this off with that giant melon. On a the giant desk. melon on the desk. The melon is so big this week. I cannot pick it up. So. <laughs> it's time for Melon of the Week. And this week's Melon of the Week is the huge watermelon from Brazil. Honestly, it's gigantic. It's, it's huge. Gi- it's about the size of a football and about twice the weight, at least twice it's th- the It's way. three or four kilos, absolutely. I saw Dean bigger than my head. I saw Dean doing overhead, uh, overhead crunches with it earlier. Yeah, that was a workout. Yeah, I was really, really getting ready that for That was just bringing it back to the office. <laughs> <laughs> I was carrying it back from the shop and I'd done my back in. Anyway... <laughs> This week's Melon of the Week, sponsored by the huge watermelon, is Alvaro Odriozola. Ah, Odri. Ah, Real Madrid. Real Madrid, Odriozola. Um, Yeah, to be honest, not had a great year, really. He's been um, slowly regressing, I think. Um, Anyway, they played against Real Mallorca. They lost 1-0. Um, their first La Liga defeat of the season, and it was all this man's fault. Um, That's so hard. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Junior Lego got at him for the the only goal of the game, and the whole time he's running at him, running at him, you're like, he's going to cut inside you, he's going to cut inside you. And he knew it as well, Odrizola, and just didn't really think of what he could do to stop it, so didn't let him go inside. Kel's an absolute beauty into the far corner. Proved to be the only goal. Not That's not the only reason he's at Melo of the Week, though. Chasing the game, Real Madrid, with their very weird uh, lineup that Zinedine Zidane had picked for that game. Um, trying to get back into it. Gets a second yellow card, like with 15 minutes left, that earns him a red card and they go down to 10 men. It was just such a stupid tackle. When you're on a yellow card, yeah. it's just stupid. Yeah, it went like, to ground. You're 100% going. And you just see him standing afterwards in the tunnel and he's just kind of like rolling his eyes and he's so disappointed in himself because he just knows he's melon of the week. <laughs> <laughs> he's seen it coming. He knew this was coming. As soon as they sent off, all the Mallorca fans started chanting melon of the week. Yeah, and... I can imagine right this second he's just thrown his AirPods <laughs> into the air. Furious, Gutted. but he knew it was happening. He knew it was knew coming. It was happening mate. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm Sorry, not going to argue with it. I don't think he was the only reason. No, I tell you what, though, Matis Delit was close. If he'd have given away that that late penalty for Juventus, which he somehow got away with, no can't, idea how. We, I don't. Right. So our next guest we, soon, we can we can ask we'll him about talk it. About Matthias Delit in a minute. Why can't he defend crosses? Yeah, no, it's really weird. We will ask because we've got an expert coming. We up. do indeed. So we'll be back after the break with our special guest to fix the Ballon d'Or rankings. Don't go away. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks, where it's time for this week's main section. We are going to be fixing the Ballon d'Or nominations. And to help us do so, it's an honour to welcome a long-time friend of the pod to the table, all the way across the pond from Washington, D.C. It's our favourite IX encyclopedia, Eredivisie expert, all-round football head, and one of the brains behind the brilliant EIF soccer account, Mr. Mark Geshwind. Welcome to the studio, mate. It's a pleasure to be here. No, it's a pleasure to have you. How are you feeling? Happy off to the Johan Cruyff Arena this week. You must be buzzing. I am very, very excited to see us thrash Chelsea. <laughs> 4-5-0 comfortable win <laughs> at the JC Arena. So very, very excited for that. Absolutely. Samo, 
you're going to line up the topic for us and the parameters, what you're doing, and, and we'll get into it. Yeah, I'll do all the heavy lifting, Jack. Don't worry. You just sit there. We're talking uh, five biggest Ballon d'Or snubs this right, week. Okay. This week. Uh, five players who should have been on the Ballon d'Or shortlist of 30, which was released on Monday, but are not. And we're also going to take five players from the shortlist out and make room for them. Okay, so we're going to start with? Amongst some other changes, maybe. But the parameters first... To remind you all, and this is weird and it's crazy, but it's the world we have to live in. It is a calendar year award for some unknown reason. It judges 2019, not last season or this season. So it's the back half of last season and the first bit of this season. Any international tournaments in the summer in between, which makes uh, statistics really hard because you have to add it all up together uh, manually. I spent three hours on Monday doing that. It was rubbish. Um, Journalists, players and coaches all vote. Uh, Roy Hodgson once voted for Javier Mascherano. That's how we definitely know that for the Ballon d'Or, which was pretty... Probably in- correct, but yeah, <laughs> uh, spot on almost. <laughs> OK, mate, OK. Um, so that's what, we're, that's what we're up against. Calendar year award, it makes it incredibly hard to kind of just figure out exactly who played really well because you can't just use the season as a whole. Uh, but one thing I do know is that Hugo Lloris should not have been on the list regardless. <laughs> so he's the first one to go. Um, and of my cases for these five, the weakest one, I think, so he can replace Luis, because I could replace Luis on this list, uh, I'm going to go with Gerard Piquet. Okay. Um, I think it's a call that will surprise some, but I think Piquet had a serious bounce-back year, or bounce-back season last season anyway, at least, um, and was in the top bracket of centre-backs. Uh, Barcelona were pretty stingy defensively. Um, obviously, they get criticised for that because they're not supposed to be. Uh, stingy defensively and Valverde can do no right but he has at least installed something that doesn't entirely rely on Marc-Andre Ter Stegen making worldy saves PK was very very good um, there is one member of the BR office who insists on calling PK a fraud and it really winds me up because I think he deserves a little bit more respect for how he's been able to return to the top table because that isn't that easy to do yeah, but that guy only watches Italian football. That's very true. No <laughs> names, but he's mostly an Atlanta fan. So, yeah, um, I think look, you acknowledge the down period. You also have to acknowledge um, he fell apart a bit against Liverpool at Anfield. They all did. Um, but it's, it's the one blemish. It's, it's, a, it's a rare blemish in what I think was a good season. Um, I'm not shouting from the rooftops that Pico should have been on this list, but I think he has a better case than... Well, at least three or four of these players, and most certainly Hugo Lloris. Can we just talk about Lloris for a minute? Because yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense, apart from the fact that he's French and this is an award organised by France Football, as to why he is anywhere near this shortlist. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's not. He was explained it. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that probably it. the reason. And no one's made, someone said that there's no one's made more errors leading to goals in the Premier League over the last three years than Hugo Lloris. I know it's that's a longer period than what we're sustaining, but I think it shows the kind of decline of a player that just really shouldn't be here. And I mean, that's something we've been on about on the Twitter account for ages is how many errors Hugo Lloris makes and everyone seems to ignore them. For years, Tottenham everyone, fans don't ignore him. <laughs> fans I mean, he's, he's consistently considered one of the better goalkeepers in the Premier League, and he's been making these errors for ages. For, yeah, yeah. I, one of this our best season, friends. Though, they're getting even more blatant, aren't they? They are. Like, that's yeah. it. He's, he's getting, basically kicking them in his own net now. He's, the, yeah, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's dispossessed on his own goal line, more or less, by Danny Ings. A couple more melon of the weeks, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> melon of the weeks away <laughs> from um, retirement. The Brighton, the Brighton issue as well. Obviously, people were quite reluctant to criticise him because he managed to um, dislocate his elbow in the process of making an error so it's not fair to criticise him because he got injured he was perfectly healthy when he pushed it straight yeah. into Neil Morpai's path my friend it's just on the way down he dislocated his elbow if this was the World Cup year 2018 where he was captain of the team when they won the World you Cup could maybe understand, you could basically yeah. make a pretty weak case for it but my friends it is 2019 the calendar did it in flip so <laughs> 
And even then, the error in the World Cup final. He <laughs> yeah, basically he passes mean, one into his own net. Yeah, no, fun. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's just one of the weird, it's the weirdest inclusion by such a distance, I think. Yeah. Anyway, move think, on. Yeah, so get on. Okay. Go on. So into number four, uh, a Frenchman that actually should probably have been on this list is Imeric Laporte. Um, again, you have to basically acknowledge the fact that he's injured for the rest of the year, but if the nominations are done up until this point, then what he's done up until this point is quite a lot better than, well, at least the bottom half of this list. Um, so I think he's pretty much everything you would want from your modern centre-back. I think he is he's amazing. Um, he has the size and the speed. He defends the channels extremely well. He scores goals. Uh, his low-driven passes forward into the path of his, of his wingers that then obviously cut the ball back into the box. He's a key part of that attack as well as that defence. He is incredibly consistent, um, comes up with some pretty seriously big moments at times as well. And I think he should be here instead of Hume min Son. I know that Son is extremely popular, um, but checking through his 2019 stats, actually, he kind of fizzled out a little bit by February, March. Um, and into those Champions League semi-finals, he, he wasn't that good. Um, he had that amazing patch in the Premier League where everyone loved him, but it actually stretched back into December um, and through into November. So... I think his case is actually a little bit weak. He does perform for South Korea, but Son, I think, since February, has been fairly pedestrian. And I don't think it's fair that he's on this list if the parameters are taken, to, taken into account. Mark, if you're picking centre-backs to, you know, of the modern era, Laporte's got to be up there in terms of the first names on the team sheet almost, because he, he really has been unreal. And the fact that Man City have almost collapsed defensively, I know they had a good result of the weekend since his injury. The immediate collapse. The immediate collapse shows, is, is a testament just how good he's been for them. 100%. And if you're looking at left-footed centre-back specifically, yeah. then he's basically at the top of the pile. I mean, Sergio Ramos plays on the left side. Van Dijk typically plays on the left side. But for natural left-footed centre-backs... It's him and Chiellini, isn't it, basically? Yeah, uh, and even at this point, I mean, Chiellini's... Yeah. Is he going to recover from that injury? I don't I mean, know. Laporte might be at the top of the pile. He's completely out of form with injury as well, so it, it starts to thin out, and yep. yeah, he becomes extremely coveted. Um, also, he cost £57 million, right? That, which was, a, at the time, that was a lot for Man City to spend on him. If they just spent £70 million on him, no one would be raising an eyebrow because no. he's been that good. Like, yep. he's worth every single penny. Really good bit of business for everyone, really, because the January... Club did okay as well. Exactly, yeah. They got I mean, Inigo Martinez I, in, he did all right. It's, it's amazing to, like, you know, big money January deals is a very sketchy area. Laporte nailed it. Fair okay. play. Absolutely. And he's been, he's so crucial to that city team. I, I think it's an absolutely fair call, Sam. Okay, Paul well, Laporte. So, into number three, and this really is the, how the hell is this guy not in here territory? So the other two, I can accept arguments against. Hakim Ziyech should be here. Look at Mark nodding his head over there. I'm, the I'm, pleased. I'm pleased. I didn't just put it in for him, honestly. Um, but I'll, I'll do a short bit on Ziyech and then we'll just hand it over for your half an hour. Um, <laughs> I think his 2019 has been obviously incredible that I think there was some, probably some scepticism as to whether or not he could carry last season's form into this season and he undoubtedly has there's, there's no question there you only have to look at that goal against Valencia oh <laughs> my goodness me have you seen a ball struck like that recently <laughs> as well as that that was incredible it was both a chip and a driven shot at one <laughs> I just don't understand how that works um, I think he's probably one of the most aesthetically pleasing footballers to watch the way he strikes a ball is lovely the way he moves and jinx is lovely i know it was last year so it doesn't really matter but like against i think it was against Bayern, Bayern. munich there was a camera shot that caught from behind close up the way he just basically 
stuck, across the stuck ball. a spade underneath the ball <laughs> and played a crossfield pass directly into the runner. I'm not sure who it might have been. Talia Fico on the left. How many times did I watch that? Probably 100? <laughs> is just I still watch it quite perfect. often. Perfect. <laughs> Cut it back. Just perfect. And tallying up the stats manually on transfer march from the back end of last season to this season, 14 goals and 23 assists in all competitions. Like... I don't like. Don't obviously. Don't, not not trying to wish your player away from your club, <laughs> but with the with the gentleman's agreement slash release clause in place, how the hell this guy didn't end up at a different team? I don't know. Oh. But more or less, how the hell this guy didn't end up on the Ballon d'Or shortlist? I mean, it's astonishing to be honest. Mm. I mean, his Champions League performances. I mean, which is what the Ballon d'Or has become. Yes, yeah. who performs in the Champions League and from knockout round on. Goal against Real Madrid in the first leg. Goal against Real Madrid in the second leg that set it all up. Assist against Juventus. Assist against Spurs. Goal against Spurs. I mean, he, what more do you what more do you want from he him? He hit the and, post against Spurs as it, well which, when it probably would have finished it. I'm aware. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but don't I mean, bring it up. But I mean, I think we mentioned this a little bit before. But I think he's a victim of his age. If he was 20, 21, and he was part of this, you know, the crew of the Frankie De Jong and Delict, all this hyped up youngsters, he'd be in this no question. I mean, you look at that with Donny Van de Beek, who yeah. had a Far worse season overall than Hakim Ziyech. I mean, no question. Ask any Ajax fan. Hakim Ziyech, top of the pile, really. Almost even ahead of Frankie de Jong and Delict. He was that good. Um, And for him to be in there, I think, overlooked because of maybe he's Moroccan, doesn't get the hype as some of the other European countries and the age. If he'd have made a big move, he probably would have been on this list. Yeah, I think so. And at the end of the day, it's sad that it comes down to that because he's brilliant. But if he's not going to get as much hype, I'm not complaining because he's still still here. He's still here. 26. It's not like he's... You know, yeah, you're absolutely right. 26 is the new, like, 31. <laughs> <laughs> something that, might be right. Something that jumps out to me is not only his, like, creative input and that, but his energy levels and his work rate, and it just seems to drive Ajax onwards, like, a lot. This is something I've been banging on about for ages. Is it Really, it started with Peter Bosch. He was, like, seen as, like, a lazy kind of attacking midfielder, typical, like, Ozil-esque, whatever. And then Peter Bosch, you know, all about the pressing intensity, he kind of dropped him for a little bit of a period when we first signed him, and then he came back from that and was just a, a completely new player. He was running around like I've never seen. I've always, I always say he's the attacking midfielder version of Conte. I mean, he wins the ball back in insane amount of times. And there was a game in the Europa League run in 2017 against Lyon when he won the ball back, interceptions, tackles, whatever, recoveries. He had the most in the entire Europa League. It was something like 21, 22. It was, in, it was insane. I mean, that, he gets no credit for that. And he really, he does. He drives us on. He presses like a madman. And in addition, he's an end products machine. Indeed. Right, who's he replacing, Sam? Um, he's going to replace Jal Felix. Well, that's going to hurt you. I mean, look, we, love, hurt me. we absolutely love Jal Felix, um, but it's, he's, not, he's not at this level yet. We, yeah. He will be in, in three years' time or two years' time, however long it takes him, but um, he's definitely finding his feet in La Liga at a higher level. Obviously, he absolutely caned the, the Portuguese league back end of last season, which is, which is great. Earned him that big money move, €126 million Euros to Atletico Madrid potentially here on hype plus hot prospects plus yeah. transfer fee, which is, again, in direct contrast to some, what we were saying with Ziyech. Yeah, I was like, going to say. It's the exact like, flip of what it, we were yeah, saying. Yeah, and, and Ziyech really does deserve to be on this list a lot more than Felix, and it does pain me to say because I like him a lot, but um, this, I don't pull punches here. We don't have favourites. Well, we do. <laughs> we definitely <laughs> we're just, do. We're just happy to uh, to admit sometimes that then, you know, they're they're while they're brilliant, that they don't deserve to be on this bracket list. Yet, yeah. It's yeah. just not, no. He will be, but he's not yet. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, you know, you've got to find a few qualms, I think, with that argument here. But, okay. but I'm sure you will as we get further into I this. I don't think I'll have any qualms with this one as well. Fabinho is at number two. Fabinho should have been on this list. Now, I have seen a couple of people say, ah, Liverpool have got enough players on the list. That is 
officially not how it works. Uh, <laughs> Fabinho was Liverpool's best midfielder in 2019, or has been their best midfielder. He has been better than Gini Wijnaldum, who has been nominated for the Ballon d'Or, which immediately then you think, well, something's not right here. Now, this is not, uh, this is not an attempt to criticise Wijnaldum's placing on the list because I think he should stay in it. He's not one of my five removals. But if he's there, Fabinho has to be there. I think he's probably the best defensive midfielder in the world at this point I think I'd take him over anybody else with the obvious caveat that Kante is a box-to-box number eight and not a holding midfielder the balancing act that he performs in Liverpool's midfield is incredible when those fullbacks fly forward the amount of ground he has to cover side to side to make sure that those don't turn into constant counter-attacks this guy needs more respect in that area it would be interesting to see if Casemiro was nominated for the Ballon d'Or when Real Madrid were making their run because they play almost a, played the exact same role. Yeah. I was going to say he's a victim of the Busquets kind of, you know, or never got the credit. I mean, you know, he is now, later on in his career, now everyone goes, wow, Busquets was good, isn't he? But, but at the time, it was just like Xavi, Iniesta, Xavi, Iniesta. And don't get me wrong, that is no slight on those two players. They're probably my favourite midfield duo of all time. Mm. But he never got the, the credit he deserved for actually just ma- allowing them to do their jobs. And I suppose Fabinho probably suffers from a similar predicament in that he goes about his business quietly. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would say that even in some of his best performances last uh, this year, he probably wasn't even noticed. Like the, the home leg against Barcelona at Anfield, the job he did in the centre to try and bottle up Lionel Messi, like the amount, of, the amount of tackles and the amount of times he funneled him into an area where he knew that Messi would not be dangerous... It was so smart. He's such a smart player. And that, to be fair, it's harder to pick up on that if you're just casually watching or if you're watching in the pub or something like that. It is harder. But these, these people voting, they're supposed to be noticing these things and they're not. I need to have a word. It's funny because when he's joined Liverpool, it was the same time that Fred joined Man United. And at the time, a lot of people thought Fred was the one that you wanted out of the two. Jorginho as well. I think joined Chelsea yeah, the same, Jorginho, same, same yeah. sort of time. And I think at the time, yeah, Fabinho might have been the last one that you wanted. No, 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 no. I had this argument on Twitter. I got accused of extreme bias by Manchester United fans for saying that Fred was not that great a signing for that much money and that Fabinho would be an absolute star. I'd just like to say I was right. How do you edit tweets like that? (laughs) (laughs) Who's he replacing? There is no such function. Um, He's going to replace Kevin De Bruyne. One of the best players in the world. Yeah. Um, De Bruyne, so I I looked into the statistics and he played a bit more than I thought he did. Because you know he spent most of the year injured, or most people say anyway. He, he got quite a bad knee injury and missed out on quite a lot of football and was clearly not very important to Manchester City's treble because Bernardo Silva just took his spot and just went, yeah, I'll do this, no worries, 98 points, domestic treble, easy. So I, I, struggle, I struggle with the idea that De Bruyne was um, important enough to be on this list to Manchester City's achievements, even though he started this season incredibly what's his total total goals and assists for this for 2019 i know you've done the maths on this his 19 assists this year i mean he's good good player good player good player <laughs> but you can't oh, not have him on this list 19 uh, assists in how, like, how many games are we talking what is that like 26 games uh, i know i'm not having this one i'm afraid I'm, i just um i don't think he was important enough to to the team i still think he was more important than riyad mares if you were going to take someone out for Fabinho, I would be having Mares out. I've just about spared Riyad Mares for the Afcon win. Mm. Just about. Okay. It's like it was. It was a genuine consideration, and I don't know how important that Afcon win should be. I sat there trying to figure it out yesterday, going, "Well, I don't know how important that." Yeah, is. Yeah. Well, the waitings how, for these. How things. important <laughs> is, 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 is? Certainly more important than the Nations League. What I don't know, man. The Nations League I mean, is the greatest. Probably, the greatest international competition. It probably is. Good point. 
It probably is. <laughs> yes, it is. You're, you're right. It is. Yeah. I, am, I am being facetious. So Fabinho into De, in for De Bruyne. Uh, I don't. I, I, I don't would like agree just at all. Publicly state that I disagree. Mm. Um, you uh, don't even believe in that choice. No, I don't. I don't, I, don't believe, <laughs> I don't believe that you want to take Kevin De Bruyne out. Andy Robertson is my number one snub. Correct. Andy Robertson has been completely and utterly wronged. He. Would not only, he's not only in the lower reaches of this list, he is, and I'm just flicking through because I ranked all 30 candidates on, on the BR website for an article and it's on the app as well, which you can take a look. Andy Robertson belongs in, in the Trent Alexander-Arnold range of the 10 to 15. Like He's better than more than, probably more than half of the players on this, on this shortlist. So this is a, this is a, a serious miss. Um, and we are now starting to get into the point where you, you're trying to take someone out for it and they are all very good from this point. And I would take Koulibaly out for him. Um, Koulibaly is awesome. He's one of the best centre-backs in the world. But in line with how we kind of judge the Ballon d'Or, how, how it's come to be voted for, Koulibaly doesn't really have the big games or the trophy hall or the, or the, the consequential performances to really back himself up on this list, which is sad to say, but it is, I think it is the case. Um, but Robertson, like, you know what? He is a walking reminder of how wrong I can be sometimes because when he joined Liverpool for 8 million from, from Hull I just went why the hell have you done that three years later I'm sat here going he should be on the Ballon d'Or list so I'm an idiot um, but there you go I think he and Trent last year changed the way we what we expect from fullbacks they both they both hit double figures for assists. It's just, just ridiculous. I think they're the most important fullback combination since Alves and Jordi Alba came through. Yeah, probably, probably. I think they're they're both both incredibly important. The, the only one of them, probably for that corner against Barcelona, has been has been recognised. I don't know. Uh, tallying up again the the calendar year um, statistics, Robbo has eleven assists for the year. So he got eleven in the Premier League last year, and he has eleven all competitions for this calendar year. So he's, he'll probably hit 15 by the end of the year. Like, again, swung in the cross at the weekend against Manchester United for, for Adam Lallana to, to sweep home. This omission is really bad, yeah, isn't it? Is. This is really bad. He, is, he doesn't really have a fault and he never really has bad performances. Like, heart, consistent, the consistent level that he hits is, is, a, is, is one that very few footballers in the world, regardless of position, hit. The amount of bad performances Andy Robertson has delivered in the last two years... You could count, count on one, one hand, hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, genuinely. Mark, but, best left back in the world? I mean, I think so. I mean, bef- between him and Jordi Alba, but I mean, for me, the thing with Robertson getting omitted is it's the voter is not understanding just how important TAA and Robertson are to the way Liverpool attack. Yeah. I mean, you saw that at, just at the weekend with yeah, Man U. Yeah. They nullified Trent and Robbo, and then from that point on, like, that is Liverpool. That is how they attack. And yeah. you have to understand that if you're ranking these guys in terms of importance— you know, maybe the front three, but then after that, it's Robertson and TAA. And if anyone is getting in at Liverpool, those two, and then kind of take your Wijnaldum and Fabinho after that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. They they switch the ball around in midfield relentlessly for two or three minutes in an attempt to try and get Robertson or Trent to move into space. And then when they run with the ball, and then they can cross it or feed it. And that is the whole game plan, as we talked about earlier. And I really do fear that Trent got in because of the corner. And Robertson has been ignored because he didn't take a quick corner. Like, it's yeah. not fair. The moments, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it's it does, the moments. It does occasionally come down to those. And... Wijnaldum's the same. Yeah. The, no, Barca, no. the Barca impacts, that is 
the moment, right? Yeah, no, I suppose, and, and maybe it's a shocking in that regard that Lucas Moura didn't get him in, please don't kill me. Um, <laughs> but in terms of having moments... Yeah, yeah, Mark's already left the show, he's been in for 20 minutes and we're already done. Um, but in terms of like coming up with those big moments in, in big games, yeah. if that's how you're deciding it, then you know those players should be in equally. So there needs to be some sort of yeah. script here. Yeah. Dean, is there uh, anyone anyone that you think should uh, should be changed there, or uh, you well, happy think, with Sam's five? You know, now that De Bruyne's not making the list, you could go through half of them. Um, <laughs> Griezmann, I, look, I'm, I'm I don't I thought, a thirteen man shortlist is ludicrous. What, it, I mean, it is. What like, are we doing? I think the Ballon d'Or is pretty ludicrous to what, be honest. What are we we don't need any of this. I think a top fifteen. It's very easy to pick a top three. Yeah. What's your top three? It's the same every year. <laughs> Actually, no, it's not the same this year. So you still, I'm still on a, it's hard on the spot like this. It's Let not me, hard. Look, look at my on. article. It's not hard. Come Bernardo on. Silva, three. No, I wouldn't have had him as number three. <laughs> that was an easy Deuce one. Messi, Bernard, Messi. Bernardo Silva, three. VVD, two. Messi, one. I'm with flip, Mark. Exactly. Flip, flip the top two, but we've got Bernardo. Bernardo I've, I've had five Manny trophies this year. Yeah, yeah. Nations League best player. Nations League win. The domestic, uh, it was just, it was just mad. Like it's and just consistency throughout. Like, yeah, he, he doesn't give you an eight, eight out of ten every single game. Yeah, Bernardo's the third one. Maybe uh, his slow start to twenty nineteen will have impacted him. I mean, maybe like he's never going to win it anyway. Yeah, no, it's true. There's a two man race. It's a two, isn't it? it's a two man race. But I think he's he's third in. But in yeah, my 30, 30 people. Thirty, thirty is too many. You could chop the bottom the bottom half of this list off. So just just looking through what I've written. So when you get to Lewandowski. He scored a lot of goals that didn't do anything in Europe. And then you, you're into Mbappe, Griezmann, Aubameyang. Like, none of these players are really genuinely in contention. We, we could do People that just filling out for Well, the thing that's crazy is that what's going to end up happening is instead of Bernardo Silva or anyone else who might deserve it is that Ronaldo is going to finish in this top three. Ronaldo will 100% be in the top. We spoke about this the other day. Yeah, like, absolutely. No Ronaldo doubt. will be in the top three. Yeah. Uh, it would just come third again. Yeah, he doesn't. He's, I had him, I've got him eighth out of 30. Yeah, Almost generous. And Mark thinks that's generous. Yeah. I think, yeah, probably. You I had a go at me back like two months ago when I did this and I had him in eighth. Yeah, no, I did. But then also, yeah. I mean, you look at Lewandowski, Aguero, more titles, more goals, yeah. better strike rate. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. about where you carry that. And again, it comes down to that moments thing, doesn't it? And it's like, do you care about the Nations League that much in well, a Ronaldo, tournament that he played okay, two, game, yeah. two games in? He scored a hat-trick against Atletico to get them into the quarters. That's, that's it. Yeah, no, yeah. Right. That's... Uh, no, no, it's got a hat trick in the Nations League semi as well. But you can't be defined by two performances. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Right, let's close this down <laughs> and get on to the fun stuff, shall we? <laughs> right, we're going to be back after the break for Bleacher Roulette and Sam's nonsense rankings, which I'm very excited about this week. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks. It's that time of the week. It's everybody's favourite time of the week. It is time for Bleacher Roulette. And hey. Sam, you want to give us a spin? It has magically appeared. It has again. appeared. What's your earliest footballing memory? Uh, Michael Owen scoring in the 1998 World Cup. Oh, what a moment that was. Wow. (laughs) I have a really... And then I don't remember anything for like four years. (laughs) But it's my first memory of watching it in the corner of TV. To be honest, my brain might have made it up. But I think (laughs) in my head, I remember remember it happening. Yeah, it definitely Um, happened. So there you are. There's a quick quick answer for you. That is a good one. Um, my My mind went to like playing football. And that was, that was playing over the local park in like an under five thing and scoring a hat trick, which was just, <laughs> just... Uh, Probably a real, highlight your career a, as well. It was all down here. I, I would say it was a real tone setter for what was to follow. <laughs> um, but actually watching football was the 1996 Coca-Cola Cup final when Aston Villa beat Leeds 3-0. There you go. Yeah. Not bad. Mark? My mind also went straight to playing. Similarly, all downhill from there. 
Uh, no, you, no, 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 you, no, we've no. heard about your career. Oh, right? You had a decent career. I've, I've done a little bit. <laughs> Not much, though. But uh, I think watching, I have memories of the 2002 World Cup, staying up very, very late in the Korea-Japan Watching some, um, we were up very early. We were up very early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's different. Like, so some some yeah. sort of thing there. But then my, I really distinctly remember Euro 2004, uh, Zidane the brace against England. That was like when I first started bringing everything together. Oh, I was very drunk that day. I remember that I fell <laughs> off. I um, had twisted my ankle. I was on a lad's holiday. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you told me the story. Yeah, I ended. I insisted on going out, and they stood me on a bench at the back of the pub. And when England scored, I jumped off the bench and um, <laughs> seriously hurt myself for the rest of the trip. Uh, my earliest memory what is... What was football like in 1870, Dean? Yeah, it was in the 80s. My dad when took me Fulham to... was created. Um, <laughs> my dad's a Man United fan, took me uh, to Old Trafford in the Stretford End. Uh, it was all standing and put me on his shoulders. It was Man United against Arsenal and Man United scored an equaliser and he just threw me. <laughs> like, literally threw me. I was about six and just terrified, just, like, cried. Did you go down or...? No, like, I, he threw me up. I can't remember, like, I presume he caught me, but I just remember, like, being thrown. Um, Your stomach leaping. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. like... And you know what? I actually have to go back, because I have the thought of an earlier memory, and it's fantastic. <laughs> 2003, so the year before, it was the first time I went to see Ajax play in Amsterdam and got to see Vandervaart, Met Snyder, Ibrahimovic... So that was something special. Whoa. You and that's, How that's, do you forget that's, that? And that's, that, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sad that you forgot that in the first place, to be honest, mate. Yeah, that was, that was poor. It was poor. We come, the we come back to it. moment of your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who is your tip to win the MLS Cup? Topical. Okay, so we'll, by the time you're listening to this, yeah, the teams just that we had, might tip might yeah, be so We've just out. had the first knockout games, so we haven't started the second knockout games yet. So please bear that in mind as, um, as I'm making this. Please Look, bear that in mind I've as said, I say I've LAFC. said LAFC are like the best team outside of the top two in the Premier League. <laughs> 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 I've kind of got a tip. I've got to admit, I actually don't think LAFC are going to win the MLS Cup. When I you think... saw El Chafago come up, you were, you were distraught. I, I, I kind of am distraught. Are and they I'm their kind of... kryptonite in a way then? Or yeah. Is, that, is it just that's the team? There's just that. It's like a curse at the moment. And like it's just like the mental edge at the moment. I'm just not sure they're going to get through. If LAFC beat Galaxy, I think they'll go on and win it. I just don't know. Some people might well know by the time they're listening to this, but ah, LAFC. <laughs> well, I don't know what's going on um, at all. You, you guys were all crowing about the amazing, uh, amazing weekend of MLS. It was such it's a good, so good. It was I, so I'm sure good. it was, but I didn't see it. Um, I'll go with Toronto because uh, my team. Who knocked out your team? I imagine, Mark. <sighs> it was sad to see. Sad, <laughs> sad to see. But I mean, it has to be LAFC. I mean, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. They play such a great style. They have such great players. Vela's fantastic. It's they got, hard, it's hard to look past them. I mean, but I agree. I mean, Zlatan is Zlatan. It's the Zlatan it, effect that you just don't know how that's going to He, he scores a better goal in every single time. Exactly. He's LFC. It's it's ludicrous. Hopefully, yeah. this will be his last game he plays. Like LFC <laughs> beat them, and then he just has to leave MLS. I'm obviously going to back the five stripes again. Back to back, Atlanta United. Not with, um, not with Frank De Boer. Not I, with Frank. De Boer. I just think he's got. Yeah, I know it's been tough, but I think he's got a couple of things right recently. With Martinez back, like Barco pulling the strings in the middle, at, you know, and Franco Escobar just loves loves a playoff game, and <laughs> I think that that that's important. It, it's been a better back after the season. Obviously, Atlanta have been sort of up and down this yeah. year, but they've got the experience. I'm back and go all the way. Five strides for life. By the way. One-off games, so much better. Like this new format. It was, it was fantastic. It's been All so the games exciting. were unbelievable. Every single game of that first knockout 
game. I was telling Sam like to actually watch it. Yeah, because, like, if you're not was... watching the MLS playoffs, like watch them. It's genuinely it's so fun. such good entertainment, such fun, and something to do at three o'clock in the morning if you're in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> we're having a we're having a good time in MLS playoffs. So so that's good. Right, last one. If you could swap shirts with a player, but it meant you could never see a highlight of that player again, who would it be? Van Dyke. Because remember, it smells really good. (laughs) (laughs) We've now asked asked a lot of people now how much does Van Dyke smell. We asked Divock Origi. He said he hadn't noticed. He did. I I asked Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Did he not notice it? He didn't notice it. I think this might have been a lie. Oh, I'd be really upset if it's a lie. We're going to have to buy him some some aftershave. But it was Troy Deeney that... Started it was life. Troy Dean that started your, it's this. It's your fault. Like you would expect a striker. The only thing we way to solve this, we need to meet Van Dyke. So I'm going to spend the afternoon arranging that. We will get Van Dyke on the podcast this season and ask Ill? him. And we'll ask him. Right. Even Before. if we only get one question with Van Dyke, we're going to ask him this season if he wears aftershave. One on one interview after a game yeah. or something. All three of us, just him. Do you wear aftershave? No. Thanks, Thanks for your time. Much. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> Rank squad busting myths. <laughs> Sam. What's the question again? If you could swap shirts, <laughs> you could have a player's shirt, it meant you could but never, never watch see again. a highlight of them ever again. So, uh, could... so yeah, so a player I just don't want to see again. Yeah. Because I can bin the shirt, no worries. Um, <laughs> James McCarthy. Oh, I'm genuinely personally insulted. <laughs> yeah, I just said it to annoy you. James McCarthy covering ground before N'Golo Kante made it cool. Mark, <laughs> on to you. I think maybe Sergio Ramos. I think it's like a good jersey to have. Like he's an icon of the game. And like I don't care about watching a center back play all the time. I'm not watching compilations of him play. Maybe Sergio Ramos. Maybe 2014 era Cristiano Ronaldo where, you know, nothing really happening except scoring some tap-ins. And it's a great jersey to have. <laughs> I say, did you not miss the drama of Ramos? But, oh, did you see that red card? No. <laughs> I didn't. He's no, like, can, getting towards the end of, it, end of the career. It's fine. He's you just going to get extra happened. yellows to get out of the IX fixtures, yeah. and it'll be fantastic. <laughs> Everyone's going to enjoy themselves. <laughs> Mine's probably like Steve Finnan, obviously, Fulham Island, Liverpool legend. Um, because, no, I've never watched, I don't think I've ever watched a replay of Steve Finnan's career, but he was like my childhood hero. Nice so it's quite a nice shirt to have yeah. on the wall. So it'd probably be that. Okay. Excellent. Which means that it is. Time Wait. for Sam's nonsense racket. Thanks for leaving it behind last week. We, we couldn't find it at first, but we found it, didn't we? We, did. we had to look under the desk. But we, <laughs> yeah, found we found it, it under um, the desk. Good. Did you hear us talking about how difficult it is to make that noise? Yeah. yeah, it, yeah it's it's actually it's, like, I couldn't do I it, do it so Sam had to do it. I do a lot of hard work on this show that, under, that goes under the radar <laughs> yeah, that nobody knows. A lot of training goes. There's a lot of swimming on the surface like a duck and paddling like That warm-up that you do just before the pod. Yeah, it's like... Famous artists just before they go out onto stage, it's uh, Jack's doing his vocal warm ups in the toilet just before he does a poem and whoa, it does a whoa. nonsense siren. Yeah. Uh, well, this, this week is Wayne Rooney's birthday. It is. He's also just left MLS. By the time you listen to this, it, he may well have had his birthday and he is indeed coming back to England. Derby player coach just left DC United. Uh, so I've done two rankings, both on his best ever tweets. Um, one. It's just funny. And then the other one is the more aggressive side of Wayne Rooney coming out. Um, if you do not follow Wayne Rooney on Twitter... At Wayne Rooney. Follow Wayne Rooney on <laughs> Must Twitter. Follow. Must just follow. Google Wayne Rooney's best ever tweets because there have been some. I'm not sure he entirely gets social media, but he is, he is entertaining us. Unbelievably funny. So we'll start with the funny ones. Um, 
In July 2011, this is definitely when he didn't understand what Twitter was, he tweeted the word mate five times. <laughs> Just that. That's it. <laughs> and <laughs> I think it's earlier that year, he tweeted the word lad seven times. <laughs> Again, just clearly in that span, just not getting. Maybe it. he was just practicing his spelling. <laughs> <laughs> he's lost. He's lost his mates on a night out. He's trying to call him back and yeah. decide well, to use yeah, Twitter. Exactly. He doesn't understand. <laughs> and then, of course, that leads us beautifully onto number two here, which is "Hi Rio, do you want picking up in the morning, pal?" <laughs> that was my favorite. April two thousand and eleven. Incredible. Thought it was a DM, <laughs> or maybe it just replaced his contacts book on his phone. I don't. I don't know. But that's definitely not how it works. I remember the first time I saw that, like genuinely crying. Yeah. Like, thinking it was the best thing of all time ever and it's close it's second it's second the best tweet is whitney has passed away r.i.p you will live on forever can't believe it i want to run to you really can't believe this and then a straight at symbol at the end probably tried to at her straight at symbol. Didn't, didn't, didn't manage to do it um, this is all why didn't they do to at because she wasn't alive anymore yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is an all-time tweet of anything not even just wayne Rooney. went to do it and thought i can't now i, I, I don't know what, i don't know what her handle is anymore can't do it so evan who, at heaven. Who, who, seriously who knew that whitley passing would hit wayne rooney this hard it's like when avici passed away and it hit you really really hard yeah <laughs> That's true. Sam sent us a message. You know, no, I tweeted. R.I.P. Bro. No, I tweeted no, I like, uh, when Avicii died. I was very. We'd been drinking, and I was, I was very drunk. To be fair, I got home about one thirty in the morning. Read the news. Avicii's died. Just got really sad and started running through his best hits. You ranked his best hits. You know, R.I.P. R.I.P. Bro. Um, yeah, absolute legend. And also, then one of the more talented people in the office with Photoshop um, took that and transposed it onto Wayne Rooney's tree and, and, and made, made me look like I was mourning Avicii in the same way that Rooney mourns Whitney. Anyway, onto the aggressive stuff, because there is quite a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, again, you just wonder if he really understands what the platform is. Because when he tweets, I'll put you to sleep within 10 seconds, you little girl. Don't say stuff and not follow it up. I'll be waiting. So Sam <laughs> underscore Oldham underscore LFC. You do think... Are you aware that everyone else can see this? <laughs> he also then later clarified the tweet with, ha ha, just joking, guys, don't take it so seriously. <laughs> no, you weren't. You once beat up a corner flag. What would you do to Sam Oldham LFC? On to number two. Shut up, you egg, and get out of Cowell's <laughs> hole. Won't tell you again. Directed to Piers Morgan. Morgan. He hates Piers Morgan, doesn't he? This, again, all-timer. Like, yeah. for me, like, full-time Twitter all-timer. He, he Shut up, you egg. He tweets <laughs> Piers Morgan, he tweets Piers Morgan quite a lot, with, with quite a lot of aggressive stuff, but I thought that was the best one. I Absolutely, I'd definitely yeah. have to put one of those in. The best one, I think, of the aggressive ones was to Carl Foster 02. Ha-ha, fat. Full stop. You have more fat on your face than I have on my entire body, fatso. Go to the gym, fat boy. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> it's like an incredible piece of content. Like Wayne Rooney's Twitter as a whole. You know, to, to quote a popular thing going around right now, if you're looking for the best social media account on Twitter, it's dot dot dot. Wayne Rooney's a coward. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's only going to get better because he's playing less and less football now. Yeah. So he's going to have much more time. There are other good ones as well. It was it was tough to narrow it down to... Well, I couldn't narrow it down to three. I literally narrowed it down to six instead. But 
uh, when he, he, he reportedly, according to him, sent Lewis Nanny uh, to bed crying because he'd beaten him so badly on FIFA. <laughs> Tears everywhere. Also blitzed Jermaine Defoe at the England camp and, and swore down that he was crying because of all the banter. Again, it's just such a little bizarre look into the world. It is amazing, and isn't he? Thank you, Wayne. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's your birthday. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Thank you so much for your Twitter content yeah. because it genuinely is world class. Yeah. That brings us to the end of this week's BR Football Rank. So thank you, Sam, for that. Mm. Uh, but more importantly... Thank you to Mark Gestrand, who's been a wonderful, wonderful guest. Yeah, Ranked ha- squad VIP over there. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll be hearing more from Mark over the course of this season. But for the listeners who want to follow you on socials, Mark, hit them up. Let them know what you got. For sure. So, guys, thanks so much for, for having me. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Geshwind. Difficult to spell, but it's all right. You can find it. And then uh, for some larger, more general non-IAX takes, uh, you can follow our EIF Soccer. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you download the BR app, the best sports and culture content. You can listen to us on it. Thank you so much for listening. Please do keep sharing the pod with your friends. I've been Jack Collins. Rank Squad forever. Peace.